you are one of the few directors I know that also loves Taming the Shrew. Well, hang on, wait a second. You've now directed it a second time. Do you still love Taming of the Shrew? Okay, here's the thing, Austin. It's my third, and I do, and I'm having complicated feelings. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 779, Shakespeare's Marriage Play. Three weeks ago, I talked to Alejandra Escalante and Daniel Jose Molina, who are playing Kate and Petruchio in the outstanding American Players Theatre production of Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew. That production closes this weekend, November 14th, 2021, and it is also available to stream online until then. So this week, I talked to the production's director, Shauna Cooper, who has talked with me on the podcast before about one of her previous productions of Taming of the Shrew. So because she and I both love this problematic play, I was incredibly curious to find out how or whether her thoughts about it had changed. I mean, I think the thing that I can't get away from with this play is that every time you work on it in a different moment in the world, like each of these moments in history have been so different. And with this play, so many of Shakespeare's plays, but somehow this play, oh my God, it just, it it blows your mind, the different things that show up in the play based on the moment in time that we're in. So Uh, So it was more complex this time, but I would imagine almost any play is probably more complex right now. This is the first one of your productions of Shrew that I've actually had the pleasure of seeing. And and I I love this so much because it was not only funny like I want my Taming the Shrews and like any Shakespeare comedy should be funny. It was tremendously moving and you and you had a just a crackerjack cast of only five that I want to ask you about. But you also had just the the the, the best pair of Kate and Petruchio in Alejandra Escalante and Daniel Jose Molina than I that I can imagine they brought such love and fierceness. Um and 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 the production didn't them, them and you and the production did not shy away from the complicated nature yeah. of this play. And yet you still managed to uh, uh, make it funny and um, of the moment. What did you have to do different to approach it this time, in this moment of time and with only five actors? In this production, the Kate and Petruchio story and then the story of the world as a whole, they're they're always kind of both, both alive for me, but I feel like in this moment, even more so, I think... I think with Kate and Petruchio, in a beautiful way through the pandemic, it feels like we've become more fiercely in conversation with the cost and toxicity of the patriarchy, just like as as a thing. Mm -hmm. And I think the Kate and Petruchio story, I think is really wrestling with that in a beautiful way and also reflects it sometimes in a problematic way and so I feel like I think that was something that we were the three of us were carrying you know like that that was something that I know for Ale and Daniel was really potent for them and 
And for me, I felt like part of what I love about them as a duo is they are such fierce individuals. They are actually married. And I think like it is a play about marriage and it's a play about the gifts of marriage and it's a play about the compromises required in marriage. And I don't know, it just like we are in the society we're in and we inherit the structures we inherit and marriage is something that, that is both a beautiful union and is in the structure of a patriarchal society. And so you have to wrestle with all of those things. And I think the play does, and those two really want to and do. And so like that was all in play. I think we couldn't escape it for better and for worse, you know, like yeah. that was just in the room. Um, and I think because of the pandemic, we're all more often in a place of like, you not willing to or able to shy away from the hard questions. So the hard questions are in the room. And I feel like even more so than even the last time I did it, which was like in the year following the Me Too movement really exploding. And in so many ways, you'd be like, oh, of course, this play is volatile and electric in a way that it's never been before, which was true. But now it's like raw and vulnerable in a, in a way that I hadn't experienced before, I think. Um, and then, and then to do the whole entire rest of the play with three people, which is like what we were doing. I mean, that's freaking crazy town. I, I mean, let's just be honest. That was like me you know, what are you doing during a pandemic? You're like, oh, what would it be like if, you know, imagining all of these crazy things? And and I think there there was and is a part of me that that believes like there's something about that play about like pretending to be something you're not, all of these different identities that we put on in order to succeed in the status quo, in in this in the status quo of whatever world you're in. And that play is so much about like the cost of the cost and benefit analysis of like trying to be something you're not in a way. And so I was like, well, what if you just keep compressing that or essentializing that into an increasingly kind of minimalist aesthetic, which is essentially what we did with those three, like, Oh my gosh, they're just warriors. Those chameleonic three warriors. Oh my God. Because yeah. it does not, it means you never leave the stage. Yeah. Like those three actors, if you are not on stage changing costumes, you're off stage changing costumes. Yeah. I mean, they truly are. If there was a marathon equivalent in the theater, mm -hmm. they are doing it. It's almost like a three person reduction of Shakespeare, really. I don't know how people do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're the perfect audience for this. Actually, I was so excited when you were going to see it because I was like, oh, Austin gets like what that challenge is, which is so captivating. But also I'm just in kind of in awe of you because it's not a small task. No, it isn't. And 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 I mean, the, the way you started the play, I thought was just genius because the play starts with this induction scene that everybody wonders, well, what the hell do you do with the induction scene in Taming the Shrew? And what I mean, what I, what I think that Shakespeare did, does with that scene is teach the audience how to watch the play, watch the play they're about to see. And so in your induction scene, it was a 
It was a pantomime dance number to sort of these oompa, oompa, oompa tubas. Um, so it was very commedia-ish, and it was full of the five actors in costume uh, thrusting their chests out, beating their breasts, sort of swinging their crotches. You know, it was very... Yeah. It, it was very... Yeah, it was it was very strutting and uh, all about uh, sexual posturing or gender significations. That's right. Performance of gender. I think it's a man's world, which yes, which, which the Taming of the Shrew is. You know, like that's Absolutely. the world you're entering. And, and one of the pleasures of the play has always been for me is that neither Kate nor Petruchio are comfortable in this. That's right. In this patriarchy, and the the joy of the romance, the romance in air quotes, is that they find each other, and mm -hmm. it's and it's still, as you say, it's still a tricky navigation to figure out. Yeah, but how do we work? Neither one of us wants to be with anybody. We're far too independent and fierce, and nobody can handle either one of us. Yeah. So the small cast that was a choice born of the pandemic, or that was a way you had been thinking about the play, just getting rid of the extraneous stuff. People. I mean, honestly, it, it, I was thinking more and more about the play that way for two reasons. One, to give major props to this um, group. When I was in grad school at Yale, there was this thing that happened called the quartets where the actors were assigned Shakespeare plays and you did them with four people. And in my year, there was um, uh, Taming the Shrew was assigned to a trio just because of how the numbers fell out. And um, Brooke Parks, Brian Burns, and Joseph Parks did this trio of Taming the Shrew, which I still remember vividly. And I, I just, I was blown away by not just, like the quartets were always extraordinary, but there was something about that trio and that play where there were things illuminated about the play that felt so just, true to the DNA of that play. And I, I remember thinking it at the time and then left it. And then when we did this Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival production, we ended up with a cast of eight, which I, I chose to do. I kept kind of reducing the size of the cast because it was allowing me to, to get the actors who I really wanted. So there were, there were people who I, instead of casting more actors, and more non-equity roles, I was like, okay, well, these roles just feel like they could all be played by this actor. And then there was something about the revelation of that actor who was Mark Bedard um, in the series of transformative roles in a play that's so much about performance of gender, performance of identity, um, you know, like it's written into the dramaturgy of the play. And when you leaned into that, there were all of these gifts in the play that just revealed themselves. You know, it's really about Kate and Petruchio and these two remarkable radical individualists within a status quo. So there's something about continuing to compress the status quo into a finite group of people who just keep showing up again and again. Yeah. You know, and the ridiculousness of that, the absurdity of that, and the kind of truth and like, it's a satire. And so there's something about that exercise that like also emboldens the satire. You know, it's a, so 
I don't know. I wouldn't do it with every play, but there's something about this play. And anyway, so I kept pitching this idea that was like percolating in my mind. And no one bit until Brenda DeVita and APT essentially five months ago. I mean, this was quite recently, you know, I mean, in the in pandemic producing, things are happening on the fly in a whole different way. And I talked to her about that idea in the way that I had shared it before and no one ever said yes. And then Brenda got back to me and she was like, you know, you're kidding, <laughs> this is your idea. And I thought, oh my God, now we're actually going to do it. And to Brenda's credit, I have to say, I originally harrowingly thought it should be three people. <laughs> One person playing all the clowns and Kate and Petruchio, which after attempting it with five, I am so grateful we had the five because I think the three, the three made it so you could actually do the play, which was, I think, as Brenda and I kept talking about it, something that was rightfully important to her. And I think it's true that like, were you to do the three person thing? It's a, it's a completely different thing. It's really not Shakespeare's play anymore. And I think as much as this is an adaptation, it's also still really the play. Yeah. And um, that, and it was thrilling and it was a risk. And I, I'm grateful that they were ready to take that risk and just discover what's there. I'm Nina Totenberg, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? We're still the remote Shakespeare Company until the beginning of 2022, but you can find our next round of performance dates at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com. And you can send any questions, suggestions, or mild indigestions via email to feedback at ReducedShakespeare.com. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, and click on the link to subscribe. And check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with Shauna Cooper, whose production of The Taming of the Shrew runs in person and streams online through this weekend, November 14th, 2021, at the American Players Theater in Wisconsin. I love that you call it a satire because I've long felt that many of Shakespeare's plays are are more funny than they're ever done. There's way more comedy in most of his plays than people ever sort of go for. Um, but I'm also now wondering that all these so-called problem plays or complicated plays or problematic plays are really satires. You know, yeah. I think I think. That's I think right. They don't know how to categorize Troilus and Cressida. Well, I think it's a satire. We They didn't call it that 400 years ago, but that's what it feels like to me. And Shrew does as well. He's giving, Shakespeare is giving the audience the battle of the sexes sitcom comedy that they expect, but also giving, putting a lot more meat on those, on those bones and, and saying something, saying some things that are sort of way more nuanced than just, men and women knocking each other about. For sure. I mean, he's he's interrogating our societies in so many of these plays. And I think, you know, he's a genius at character relationship and 
the nuance and depth and complication of that, but he's also really fascinated by the societies that we as human beings give birth to and the potential of them and the toxicity of them and the challenges of them and all of those things in these plays, the worlds of them are characters in the same way the characters are. And I think particularly in the plays where they are more like social commentaries or investigations of the worlds that we've created, of course they're problem plays because guess what? We're human beings and we have not created perfect societies, <laughs> you know? So, so he's inviting us, I think, to look, reflect on that. And I think if we had solved these problems, we wouldn't need to do these plays, but the truth is we're still wrestling with them and they're not comfortable. And if we're going to look at them, honestly, they're really uncomfortable but that's that's why we keep doing these plays is hopefully to give an opportunity for audiences to be in conversation with themselves and each other about what of these aspects of our care of our relationships with other humans, but also our relationships with our cultures and our societies, we're still trying to unpack and figure out and maybe create better versions of. So this is your third time um, uh, 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 approaching this play. What do you make of uh, Kate's infamous final speech uh, this time? You know, of all of the questions I have about the play, that final speech is not one of them. I, it was the first time I directed it until it cracked open for me. And I think since that day, the thing that continues to really feel true to me is that it's really about the power of abandoning yourself to another human being. It's about the power of vulnerability that she is really making an argument for a different kind. She's redefining power in that text and and articulating the ways in which our vulnerability as human beings, our connection as human beings is actually where our power lies. And that if we could all, not men, not women, not gender non-conforming folks, if everyone could have faith in that, what might the world be? And I, I believe in it. I believe in it. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for the tag in about 90 seconds. The American Players Theatre production of The Taming of the Shrew runs in person and streams online through this weekend, November 14th, 2021, and I hope you can see it. Go to AmericanPlayers.org for more information. Then send your intimate aesthetic via email to feedback at ReducedShakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or our own actual website, ReducedShakespeare.com or visit my website, TheShakespeareance.com. Thanks, as always, to Wife Starver Matthew Croak, Web Services by Ginger Power Limited, Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Dr. Danielle Rosevalli. I hope I said that correctly. No reason, it is just random. Special thanks to Nina Totenberg from National Public Radio. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, get vaccinated, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 779 2337ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. 
The other wonderful thing about this five-person cast is that you did it in the very intimate Touchstone Theater at American Players. And because it's so intimate, the play has a power that it often frequently doesn't have in a larger space. And with actors of the quality of the five that you had, it's it's astonishing. Uh, your production is just astonishing. So, I mean, congratulations and thank you for it. Oh, Austin, thank you. It's such a joy to do this. I also love that we can see each other, even though, you know, your podcast mates won't see us. It's just That's nice just... to have this conversation when I can see your face. You know what? I will take a screen grab of it right now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. No, we're both smiling. We both look relatively okay. good. Okay. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.